Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, we'll continue with our discussion of an introduction to spirituality through the uh, vision of Srila Jiva Goswami. Um, the reason we're utilizing uh, Jiva Goswami's approach is because, well, first of all, he was recognized uh, throughout the world, specifically in India, but uh, he's come to be recognized as one of the foremost logicians uh, of all time. Uh, there are many great thinkers in the world, and he is he ranks among some of the best. So he has uh, a specific approach to spirituality or to knowledge. Uh, he really doesn't make much of a distinction uh, from the perspective of someone as spiritually uh, centered as, as he is and as many great thinkers are. Um, they do not see a distinction between uh, spiritual life and other life. There's just life and life entails our spiritual existence and any life that doesn't entail a recognition of that is uh, is not a very well informed method of living so and we see that even lord krishna himself in those four very succinct instructions to brahma who is uh, put forth in the Vedic literature as the architect, the, the creator of the universe, uh, secondary creator. Of course, ultimately, everything is coming from that powerhouse of all knowledge and wisdom, strength, beauty, uh, the Supreme Lord. But the, the Vedic conception is that there are unlimited universes and even in our modern scientific uh, methods of inspection we can now with uh, some advances in science uh, see into the great um, uh, expanse of, of space and seem to not be able to arrive at any end it just keeps as 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 powerful as a microscope uh, telescope that we can uh, make with our ingenuity, the more powerful those uh, instruments of inspection become, uh, the more unlimited the expanses of the of the uh, universe uh, uh, are are there for exploration at least from our perspective so you can make it you know as, as powerful as you can and you still there's something beyond the power of your greatest uh, implement of inspection so uh, there are four key verses that the supreme lord spoke to the creator and in one of those verses, uh, 
the Supreme Lord said to Brahma, the creator, that uh, anything that you see as separate from me, know that to be my maya, my ability to cast a spell over your perception, my, my ability to put you into illusion, because the actual reality is there is nothing that is separate from me, nor is there anything that you should see as separate from me, including your very self. So, I mean, we could, philosophers could talk, spiritual explorers could talk unlimitedly about this idea that really when we look to what is this conception of maya, it's, it's, it's very simply a sense of separateness from the Supreme Absolute, individually, collectively, uh, environmentally. Anything that we see separate from the Supreme Lord's existence, the Supreme Lord says, know that is as my maya, and my maya is my ability to allow you, provide you the opportunity to think of anything that is not me, that is separate from me, that you are separate from me. That's illusion. That, that itself is illusion. So the whole Bhagavat Purana, uh, which Jiva Goswami puts forward as, this, as the highest standard of understanding is taking these four verses, of which this is one, and expanding it into the, a complete and comprehensive knowledge base of what is the Supreme Lord, what are his various energies, where do we fit into the picture, where does the material manifestation fit into this picture? And what are all the different manifestations of the Lord that are in essence one, because the Lord is one, and different? He has different manifestations. And the beauty that we of the knowledge we attain through the practice of bhakti is all these various manifestations are simply a method that the Lord employs of perfect reciprocation to our desire to approach him. All of them, as they surrender unto me, I reciprocate accordingly. So different, we all have a different nature and once we begin to develop a, an awareness of and an inclination towards our, an inward seeking of our nature, a turning of our consciousness inward, then the Lord reciprocates in kind. And there are various schools of thought, various methods, <clears throat> basically can be 
characterized into, into three different divisions. Those that conceive of the supreme as simply that all-encompassing force of consciousness that pervades everything. A lot, uh, very common in the, in the, in the, the Abrahamic traditions is a is a looking at the supreme as that personality that arranged the creation of the world and the creation of mankind and all the varieties of living entities and all the varieties of of uh, uh, planetary systems manifestations of universe. So, Brahman, Paramatma, and then Bhagavan, a Lord that has his own completeness in itself. So, we're not going to get too far ahead into those uh, intricacies uh, right now, but we're going to continue with this uh, approach uh, to having an understanding of what it entails to turn one's consciousness inward in an effective manner, in a manner that really bears a spiritual fruit which can be directly perceived by us. So I want to continue to read from this uh, introduction to the subject and uh, we'll see where it takes us. So, by its own self-revelatory, uh, rele it reveals itself, power, Sabda, which effectuates the turning of consciousness, becomes identical with such turning. <clears throat> it may thus be understood as knowledge through conscious identity and not conceptual knowledge about. through identifying with this knowledge, that in itself is, is distinct from what we commonly experience as knowledge. Generally, when we perceive of something and have knowledge of something, well, of something, about something, it's separate from the means, whereas transcendental sound vibration, transcendental uh, experience coming from knowledge, that knowledge in and of itself has its own inherent spiritual living potency. So that's what's being alluded to here. This, this is a profound, something that's profound that actually It's a whole different approach. Uh, what more can we say? It's a whole different approach. Generally, we want we want we attain knowledge about something that's that's external to ourselves. But what about knowledge that actually reveals itself? Itself has it the 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 knowledgeability, the knowing of has its own inherent inherent conscious agenda, so to speak. The existence of such a direct mode of knowing 
has been the common experience reported by realized mystics of all traditions throughout recorded history. This adds weight to the argument that this mode of knowing cannot be reduced merely to the subjective experience of a limited knower. Rather, it has been recognized by those who have known it as primordial subjectivity itself prior to identification or involvement of any conditional knower or known. Revelation, direct experience of something as opposed to observation and well, what's our brain do? The mind basically just puts everything in a category and then it compares the different categories and arrives at conclusion. But we're talking about a method of, of knowing that is, is in, in, in and of itself revelation. It must be noted, however, that for this higher epistemological capacity to be activated, one must raise above belief and disbelief. Now we talk about the distinction between experiential spirituality and faith-based spirituality. Not to be misunderstood, because we could misunderstand that and say, well, what, what do you mean? You're, you're taking spiritual experience and you're saying this is, this is the core of revelation and that experience supersedes a faith-based approach to spirituality. So let's read on. And I think you'll, it'll become apparent. <clears throat> In the true sense of the term, belief can be applicable only when reality is not directly known through identity in pure consciousness. If you're experiencing something that far exceeds any knowledge-based system that one would have. I think we can all agree with that. Only when the believing subject is the phenomenal self identified as perception, cognition, effects, and conation. For the conventional practitioner or worshiper, however, however dedicated, devotion is enacted still from the separate self-sense of a conditional subject trying to know some ultimate object through willful effort of the mind and body. I mean that's that's really that's really what what we're talking about. We're talking about when we approach spirituality without direct revelation revelation or experience of that spiritual reality what really are 
what are we relying on? We're relying on something that can provide us with an inaccurate portrayal of the reality that we're seeking to acquire. That's a conventional worshiper. For most people approaching spirituality conventionally, what do they have to get, what what do they have to rely on except what? Faith. What is our faith based on? Our faith, we put our faith where where our heart is and our hearts are are attracted to um, certain things that we place value. And just as much as we could put our faith in the right object or the right personage as a conveyor of spiritual knowledge to us, we could just as easily place it in the wrong place. Our hearts could be misplaced. <laughs> Our faith could be misplaced. And so what are we left with? As, as a true seeker of spiritual entrance into spiritual life, what do we, what do we have to go on? If the methodology used to approach spirituality is is the same methodology that, as we've already discussed, is riddled with human error, is riddled with human flaw. So, really, we're left, what, without a rudder. We're just, you know, we have, we just... We have to make the best use of a bad bargain because that's basically the only tools that we have. So what this great logician, Jiva Goswami, is, is trying to convey to us is, first of all, if we didn't have a little faith in this knowledge that this great sadhu and logician is putting forth, why would we even take the time to study what he's provided to us? So there is a little faith in the beginning. There has to be faith. We're not at the stage of revelation. At least I'm not. I don't know about the rest of you, but I myself, yeah, there's... But, it doesn't matter. Me, any, you know, to speak about oneself in spiritual circles is not, not very becoming. But um, in the beginning of spiritual life, we're all kind of confronted with this. We have to go with what what we actually think is the right course of action. And we have to make rational decisions in our own spiritual path using the best of our abilities. What Jiva is going to do here and what he's outlining is what he's, he's putting, he's putting forth the goal, right? Priogen. What is the goal? The goal is 
we want to live in a state of absolute, comprehensive, eternal revelation. We want to be totally thrilled about our existence and that existence in relationship to the whole that is whatever nomenclature we want to use. Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti Sabjate. However we want to look at the absolute truth, our desire is to be in a state where there's no questions. There's no there's no there's no room for doubt because everything is being directly perceived in experience. We all want to experience spirituality at that level. So we're being first of all here confronted with that that has been attained by many great spiritual seekers. And there's a commonality to their experience in that. And that commonality is that they all, they all, once they've arrived, no matter what the path was that, that took them through the door of complete inward seeking revelation that re, resulted in perpetual revelation, whatever path took them to that door and through that door, their experiences are common once they get beyond the purview of relying on the mind and the senses for that acquisition of knowledge. So there's a, there's a commonality there. And uh, Swami Triparari gave a very nice uh, discussion, had a very nice presentation in that regard. Recently, his last visit, was it the last visit? Excuse my brain. Anyway, it doesn't work sometimes. It was either this last time or in the spring. It was either in the fall or the spring. I can't remember. He went to a local Buddhist temple. And uh, he was talking about this commonality of spiritual mystical revelation that runs as the underlying current of all truly spiritual seeking paths. Now, when I say truly spiritual seeking paths, there are many quote, quote, religious, uh, religious uh, groups or sanghas of individuals who are, have come forth with a, a system of religiality which may not be based on such revelation. And generally these paths are, are these so much wrapped up in a, in a faith-based system that <laughs> um, that can go completely off course. Uh, because at, at the core, they don't have this mystical revelation. 
but we find in the in the major religious traditions no matter what they are there is this underlying mystical revelation and in Gaudiya Vaishnavism our path of course we we what Jiva is going to point out is if you look to the Bhagavat Purana the Srimad Bhagavatam which he puts forth as the topmost uh, treatise on spirit entering into spirit entering into practicing and experiencing spirituality it's fully based on such revelation the author himself before he wrote it was in anxiety because he wasn't able he didn't feel content in that he provided unlimited directions for humanity on living a good life on enjoying life on advancing in life and of giving up entirely material life artha dharma kama moksha he'd written extensively on that because these are the four main goals of humanity we we uh, we want to have some we want to attain something from life artha we want to enjoy life as we're attaining it and as our attainment comma we want to if we have any sense about ourselves do it in a legitimate manner with without exploiting others that's may not be so prevalent today but generally people want to they want to they they do want to make advancement and they do want to enjoy but they if they have any sense of themselves they don't want to do it at the at the expense of another so dharma and there's rules of dharma how to marry how to raise a family how to conduct your life the periods of life that you should go through what you should do in the beginning what you should do in the middle what you should do at the end what you should do according to your inclinations a whole all very elaborate systems of conducting your life and engaging in in sacrifices in life that help you in those attainments of artha and dharma i mean artha and kama and also moksha liberation when it's all over we want to attain a freedom from those four defects that we were talking about i mean that's liberation to not be forced to be born in a in a place where you don't even have any control of where and when and how and under what circumstance you're going to take birth you have no control over when and if the body ever becomes uh, you know invalid old age uh, becomes uh, diseased and well death no one is rushing out to embrace death for the most part unless there's some psychological <laughs> problem so he'd written extensively on that 
Krishna Dwipayana Vyas. And he was not satisfied. And his dissatisfaction, he approached his teacher and he said, well, I just, I, 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 I'm not satisfied. I've done everything I can for humanity. And the teacher said, yeah, you've done, you've done a lot. You've, you've really written a lot of good stuff there. And it really helps people with artha, dharma, kama, and moksha. But you've left out a core, in, a core attainment that is available. You've left out the attainment of a love that is all-encompassing. A love that that is so deep that it complete, un, completely unites humanity with their source and with themselves and, of course, with their brethren. So go back, look at what you've done, and 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 search yourself out for that. And he did. He contemplated. He entered into into inner contemplation to the point of samadhi. In that samadhi, he had that revelation we're talking about, that knowing which is beyond quantifying, that knowing which is beyond, you know, um, what we generally think in terms of it was a self-identity with the known. That was his revelation, self-revelation of, of experiencing of his own inner self and the self of his own self, <laughs> that kind of a revelation. And from that revelation, we have the Srimad Bhagavatam. And then we have the retelling of that revelation by Sukadev Goswami, who had what? He had experience of the revelation of reading that revelation. He was already free of the world. He was already free of all impediments of material life. He was walking free in the world as a, as a liberated person. That fourth goal he'd attained. And still, when he heard the beauty, the beautiful... Uh, presentation of the Bhagavat, he was thrilled beyond his own experience of complete uh, of a complete merging with his with the essence of himself. He recognized that there was more to be had in spiritual revelation than just a, a realization of his own inner being. Bhakti, love, love to the fullest extent, love, love to an extent that is, that is, was unimaginable through the course of simply becoming free of material existence. So this is some good stuff here. How can we get there? I mean, that should be our question. And that's, what Jiva's proposing to answer. There is a methodology. Abhideya, there is a method to that revelation 
And that methodology in and of itself is employed as the inquiry. If the inquiry is made through the proper channel of subda, spiritual trans, spiritual sound vibration, that inquiry made and revealed to us through that spiritual sound in and of itself has the quality of this experience that we are seeking. So from the very beginning, it rings true. And as we advance, the reliance on just a simple faith becomes a faith of absolute conviction. So uh, we'll we'll keep this on the on the introductory plane here, but there's there's just copious amounts of explanation of how this is directly perceived. But it's perceived from the very beginning. And uh, to that end, I want to just kind of <coughs> give us a little reassurance in that regard. Uh, it, it, it comes up a lot, of, as I said, Vishwanath Chakravarti is very magnanimous. He's another great Acharya, great, very magnanimous in his, in his commentaries to us. He's very magnanimous to even Radha and Krishna, so he's... <laughs> He's, he's magnanimous enough to know their inner inner sentiments uh, to an extent that he can express them in words that give us some 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 entrance, and that's subda. That's what we're talking about, subda Brahman. That just to hear from such a sadhu, to hear. From the guru, such a guru, to hear from Shastra, in and of itself, that gives us direct apprehension of that spiritual subject matter. Now, that apprehension is, that revelation is, for the most part, a gradual process. But that gradual process is a gradual increase in the revelation of the sound to us, the sound itself. The longer we hear, we can hear the same thing. We, can, we hear from the guru, we hear from the sadhus, we read the scripture. We enter into this sound vibration and as we continue that more and more re knowledge is revealed by the same words. That's sabda. We can read and we can go back and read the same literature a hundred times and every time it becomes more, more is revealed to us and more is appreciated by us as, as we advance in spiritual life. Now, some 
Not all, but it can happen. And it does happen that revelation can be instantaneous. It's not the common course. We could desire it, but we shouldn't be discouraged if we're not one of we're not in that select few. Like Dhruva Maharaj, he didn't he actually got an audience with the Supreme Lord. His and in that audience he was so overwhelmed with love and affection for the Lord that he didn't know what to say. He was at a loss for words. But he immediately, the Lord touched him what, with his conch. And, and it, just by that touch alone, he was flooded with an inner revelation of all the religious conclusions of all the spiritual knowledge contained, well, in what we call Veda, the end of the end of knowledge, Veda. In other words, when you get to the the, the source of, of all knowledge and the culmination of all that is knowable, that's Veda. And he was flooded with that, then he could offer a prayer. He could see, oh yes, this is the way I this is the proper methodology. So in the Veda, all those things, how to approach the Lord, how to how to worship him in, in different circumstances, uh, what to say, because I, it could be overwhelming. I mean, you'd just be stammering for, for something to, to say in, in that kind of a state. So um, for the remainder of us, such a transcendental conch shell being, you know, receiving that magical touch, that mystical touch, May not our, our knowledge may come more in a more gradual manner, our revelation. But come it will, that's for sure. And uh, what I wanted to share with you is, uh, if I can find, oh, I'm in a different taken off in a different path here. Homage to Sri Krishna. Yes. Um, this is something from that Vishwanath Chakravarti, the great saint, commentator commentator on the Bhagavat Purana uh, that uh, Krishna Dvaipayana Vyas wrote after his revelation. So, Great sages through the years have, have read this book and they've given their own internal revelations in, in, and furthered the commentary even more. I mean, this knowledge is unlimited, so it can be unlimitedly unpacked and it's unlimitedly unpacked from the different spiritual perspectives of those that have experienced it. Or it's unpacked with a specific objective uh, as to how uh, uh, the readers can be uh, best benefited uh, in in the knowledge according to time, place, and circumstance. So he writes in a commentary from the tenth canto. Um, I forget what's what's here at this juncture, of the, but there's a verse there that says, "Lord Hari, the Supreme Lord, is the ultimate cause of universal creation, maintenance, and destruction." 
My dear king, anyone who chants about, hears about, or simply appreciates such extraordinary activities, anyone that tells us about it, if we hear about it, or if we simply appreciate that God made the heavens and the earth, and he certainly has the ability to wrap it all up when he so desires, and certainly he's maintaining all of us at every moment. If he withdrew the air, that's it, we're done. If the sun was to go out, that would be that would be good night. What do they say? Good night, Irene. <laughs> so he's maintaining, he's created, he's maintaining, and certainly he can destroy. So anyone that hears about that, anybody that tells us about that, or if we simply appreciate that we know it's happening, he he performed in this world. Here's about or simply appreciates the extraordinary activities he performed in this world, which are impossible to imitate, will surely develop devotion for the Supreme Lord, the bestower of liberation. But what I want to share with you from this commentary is one line Vishwanath says here. Um, here liberation means devotional love, devotional service, beyond just an appreciation for God, but developing a true and profound and experienced love for the Lord. Um, and he says, actually liberation from material existence occurs even at the beginning of devotional service. Devotional practice. Let that sink in. Actually, this is Vishwanath, liberation from material existence occurs even at the beginning of devotional practice. Once we've taken up the path, the goal is already in sight. It may be far off and it may be just a little glimmer, but it's there. And we should feel, as Rupa Goswami, another great saint, said, what? Utsahan nischaya dharyat tat tat karma pavartanat. Enthusiasm, it's going to happen. Patience, in due course of time, sometime, someday, sooner or later, does it matter? No. I mean, if you're going to be a billionaire and you know you're going to be, does it matter when it happens? You know it's coming. It may not come tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. <coughs> it may not come in this life. But it doesn't mean it's not, the, the goal is not going to be attained. So enthusiasm, patience, and confidence full confidence that if we take to a path of true spiritual inquiry in due course of time, it will, we will attain the fruit. Our, our pursuit will fructify. So this is where I want to end tonight. One statement here.
then spirituality can be just as easily disbelieved. Everything that I'm saying, everything that we've discussed, can be just as easily discounted. Because it is unknowable and hence unprovable through logic and perception. It must be known directly in consciousness, which is to say that by turning our consciousness upon its source, Subda is enabled to self-manifest the reality with which it is identical. By turning our consciousness towards our source, we ourselves, having the right intent, actualize, activate whatever magical word you want word you want to use, this subda becomes effective in in giving us the revelations that mature our spiritual understandings and lead to deeper and deeper spiritual revelations. What is suggested here for epistemological consideration? If you're going to consider knowing something, I want you to consider this. Is merely the allowance for the possibility of such a transphenomenal mode of knowing. For its actual existence can be known for certain only by one in whom it is awakened. If we can have that kind of confidence in the fact that there is a commonality to the revelation of the great mystics in all the great traditions, and if in, spe- if in specifically we can gain such a confidence in those teachers who are, who are trying to afford us an opportunity to enter into such revelation, then know for certain that's when we will in effect, allow uh, the the magic to happen, so to speak. We will allow ourselves to actually have uh, those experiences which will uh, assure us of the result and continue and give us a continued continued spiritual progress uh, in our existence. I'll stop there for now. Are there any questions? I was thinking as you were talking, faith is obviously means conviction, but it also kind of means hope. So I was thinking there's like, there's a hope-based faith, and then there's experientially-based faith. We have our faith is based on, I'm hoping that where I'm placing my faith is the right place and then there's the what we experience according to our experiences then we place our we deepen our faith as she just said yeah. as you go through life you you have experiences that, yeah. that, that help help keep you on the right path and uh, so the more the, the more, more determined we are yeah the less but all this requires expert guidance at least in our tradition we we look as much to those great people in our in our life 
who have who we know have had these experiences, who have actually been there and done that and had these revelations that that we seek. And we see as we go on that based on our based as we become more firm in what we want to attain, the teachers that are provided to us help us focus that and we all of a sudden we're in the association of someone wow they see and feel and want exactly what i aspire to and i can see through through their association and through their words they're there now let me stay here and hear some more But good guidance is necessary at all. We're stu- we're eternal students. Well, we appreciate you coming here and listening to us. I thank you all for your association. <laughs>